What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. How many times can we say the word about today? Let's find out about that as we talk about the players we are most worried about being wrong about. Uh, well said stuff. What do you think about that, Heath? Um, what do you think about this topic? Wow. Uh, yeah, I, there are players I'm worried about being wrong about <laughs> yeah I'm very, I'm very worried about it number of players i this is a, a touchy subject i mean i get a little nervous about some of these guys you know i asked the listeners who they're worried about being wrong about dave uh, uh i think? i i can't really talk right now i've my nose is clogged i'm having a bout of the sniffles <laughs> No, no good. Adam He's laughed. Good. Anyway. I like it. You do. All right. Laugh. That was the bottom of the barrel for dad jokes. <laughs> uh, to me, this topic is more about uh, figuring the players who we're not sure, who we're not confident in. <clears throat> Maybe we need to come to some conclusions on them. But it's, you're not confident, but you, but they have a lot of upside, right? Well, I, Probably yes. Because you're not going to be so worried about being wrong about a player who doesn't have a ton of upside, like Jarvis Landry or something. I guess he has right. upside when Correct. Beckham gets Well, it hurt. depends on which direction you're worried about being wrong about them. That's true. Some people might be worried about, you know, I'm too high on this guy, not I'm avoiding this guy. Uh, so I did tweet to the listeners, today we are discussing the players we are most worried about being wrong about. Who would be on your list? Who are you worried about being wrong about? I, I tried to figure out the winner. I think I have a winner who got the most votes. Do you want to guess who it is? And I, I would put this person on my list too. So we have to guess one person out of everybody in the NFL. That the listeners mentioned the most. Kyle Pitts. Yeah, ding, ding, ding. Yep. And that makes sense, right? I mean, you got to be a little worried that you're wrong about him, especially you, Heath, because you're the so low on him. Well, I don't that's the question. Like, are you more worried about Kyle Pitts if you're not drafting any of him or if you're taking him in the third round? Like, I would be more worried if I had a bunch of Kyle Pitts that I'd take him in the third and fourth round. I just know that at the way things are happening right now, 
none of us are probably going to have any Kyle Pitts on our team. And I'm worried. He's, he's I'm extremely popular. Yeah. He is becoming I, I do extremely have months, popular. Like, that's, the, that's the great thing about Dynasty. It's the great thing about salary cap drafts. You can still get him. I, I have him on teams already. Um, I'm just not going to have him on any redraft teams. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty much okay with that. Okay. Uh, Justin Herbert was another name I saw a lot of. And that's one that I get every every argument against him, the rushing touchdowns, the, the plays they ran, all these things. And mm-hmm. I think the the statistical regression is such a great reason to to wait on Justin Herbert and probably not end up with him. But then you say, he probably had the best rookie quarterback season ever. That's got to count for something. I don't want to be wrong about him because as of right now, I can't see myself getting any Justin Herbert. And that's probably something that I need to remedy. Take him to a couple leagues. As long as you get him at a fair value. Yeah. Can't take him as long as guys like Dak, Lamar, Kyler are on the board. No, but who's, once who's doing that? Gone, that's, that's, when, that's when it's Herbie time. Maybe for you, but I think for a lot of experts or analysts, whatever you want to call them, I think a lot of people are kind of down. Aren't you kind of down on him, Heath? I, I, well, I don't know if I, I'm not as high on him as the consensus for sure. He will be in my busts column as a, at a QB7 ADP. So, yeah, again, another one of those situations where are you more worried because you're drafting Justin Herbert ahead of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Jalen Hurts and Ryan Tannehill, or are you more worried that you're not going to have any of them? I don't really think this, I'll get myself in trouble, but I don't really think there's a huge risk that Justin Herbert's going to have one of those record-smashing years and finish as a top-three guy. So that's why he's not on my list just because even if I miss out on him, I feel like it's going to be a situation where, yeah, he was worth QB7, but right. not much more. Right. right. If there's injuries to some of the quarterbacks being drafted ahead of him, then he can finish higher, like significantly higher. But otherwise, but could, I, I feel yeah. like the ceiling is like QB5. Right. If if he finishes in the, as a top five quarterback, I feel it's going to be like a TJ Hawkinson type thing where he wasn't actually that good. It's just all the guys in front of him got hurt. Why do you feel that way? This This guy, you know... I'll just give you the numbers. You know, 4,336 yards in 15 games, 31 touchdowns. Plus, he had 234 rushing yards, so it gives you something there. And, you know, maybe he's Andrew Luck. Maybe he's just that great of a player. Why do you feel like he doesn't have well, that elite what just, upside? What did Andrew Luck have, like, two top five seasons in his career? Okay, but he was still one of the best quarterbacks in football. Yeah, and I think like you could be one of the best quarterbacks in football, and if you're not running for 500 yards, it's still really tough for you to be more than a, a borderline top-five quarterback. Sure, you need to have those big passing numbers. What I like about Herbert is that he's got room to improve. Like He, he had this great year last year, but his touchdown rate was 5.2%. Heath, you tell me, is that great, good, average? Where, where does 5.2% um, rank? Uh, it's a slight above average for... All quarterbacks mm-hmm. and probably elite for rookie quarterbacks. Right. But so now there he's is going, room to be better than that. Yeah. yeah. Right. So he's going into his second year. That could go up. His bad throw rate was 18%. 18% of his throws were bad. That was 12th worst among quarterbacks. He only rushed 3.7 times per game. Over 2,000 of his yards came after the catch. That's and that's kind of crazy to think about when you think about all those deep balls that he threw to, you know, the no-name receivers on his team. So I, I think he can get better at those longer completions. I think his touchdown rate has room to grow. I think his bad throw rate has room to drop. And his new offensive coordinator, 
big time track record of leaning on his quarterback. They've already said in LA that this offense will revolve around him. I, I think I think Herbert's got some room to to grow. I, I like getting him as QB seven and expecting him to finish at at that spot or a little bit better. Uh, he also, according to Pro Football Focus, had the worst offensive line in the NFL last year. I forgot to mention that. And it could certainly, should certainly be better this year. Three new starters. New offensive coordinator. I mean, it's an interesting take, I think, Heath, and it you know, kind of puts me at ease a little bit because I, I can't take him at QB7. But to say, yeah, he probably doesn't have that crazy special season upside where if you miss out on him and he's great, okay, but he's not going to be like Kyler Murray last year or something like that, even though Murray didn't, you know, he got hurt, but he was obviously so impactful before the injury he was the number one or number two quarterback. So that's, that's a pretty good point. All right. I'm going to get the list of, uh, of all the guys that Dave and Heath are worried about being worried about. But first I'm going to tell you on Tuesday at 7 PM Eastern, you do not want to miss our YouTube live stream, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. Uh, there are a couple of reasons why you don't want to be why you don't want to miss this one. First of all, we're giving away fantasy football today merchandise. Merchandising, merchandising. Fantasy football today, the flamethrower. Now we got we got drinking glasses and shirts and things like that. We're giving away stuff. Look at that stuff. Look at that merch. Um, so come to youtube.com slash fantasy football today, 7 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. The other reason is we're doing a mock draft with some of the best in the industry. Adam Rank, Joe Pisapia, Nando DeFino. They're all coming along on Tuesday night to draft with us. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a ton of fun. So hit the subscribe button on the channel, and we will see you on YouTube Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. If you want to see our pretty faces, we are, we, every one of our episodes is on YouTube as well. And without any further ado, let's jump right into it. Players we are most worried about being worried about or being wrong about. Dave, you're starting with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback on your list of five. You also have Kyle Pitts on there. I don't know how much more we have to talk about him, but we can. But Aaron Rodgers, uh, go ahead. Your thoughts on what are you what are you thinking right now about Rodgers and what are you worried about? I'm nervous about him repeating what he did last year. We've seen it now from prior league MVPs that they regress the season after. And we we've seen it from Rodgers before. Where he still finishes as a top twelve fantasy quarterback, but not not at the rate that he did last season. So I'm a little worried that I might have him ranked too high. That I've got him as a top ten fantasy quarterback, and that might be a lot closer to what his ceiling, what reality might be for Aaron Rodgers. You throw on top of that the fact that the only addition that they made was Amari Rodgers at wide receiver. I don't think Devin Funchess necessarily counts. The offensive line is changing a little bit. And and we don't know if he'll even play. I think that's kind of clouded things. By the time you listen to this, I believe a deadline will have passed about whether or not he can opt out of the season. I don't expect him to opt out of the season. I I just I I have a I have a much easier time drafting several other quarterbacks ahead of Aaron Rodgers. And I just I I don't know if there should be more quarterbacks ahead of him on the list. Okay, you have Maith right now. So you have Herbert and Wilson ahead of him, but then Hurts, right, Brady, like Tannehill. You think Burrow. about Jalen Hurts' upside. You think about Tannehill's upside. Tom Brady in his second year in Tampa Bay. Even Stafford. Even Stafford has a chance to just have a smash season, even though he's got a tough schedule to begin the year. I think he could really do great after that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think it'd be kind of crazy to take the league MVP and put him 13th among quarterbacks, but I'm starting to lean like he's going to be more of a bust than anybody believes. 
and his ADP is QB9. It's just funny to have this conversation, and this is not a disagreement, but just an observation, right? To think Jalen Hurts ahead of Aaron Rodgers, and I, I, in the, I always yes. reference this league, in the one league that we've actually, that the three of us and Jamie, everybody's been in, uh, magazine draft, that we're playing out, I took Hurts as my quarterback, and then a few rounds later, I actually took Rodgers, so I was happy to get both of them, but I took Hurts first. It's just funny that Aaron Rodgers is one of, in my mind, one of the four best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. You can argue the numbers. We all know he's one of the greatest ever. He's coming off his best season. He's going to be, I think, extremely motivated. And we're taking Jalen Hurts, who has four starts to his name and completed 52% of his passes. And his best wide receiver is probably a rookie who weighs 112 pounds. And we're taking him ahead of Aaron Rodgers. And I get it, but that's just funny the way things are in fantasy. We're projecting. That's what you do. If everything was based on historical data and how long everybody's been good, then Tom Brady would be the number one quarterback. No, I'd say Aaron Rodgers would because statistically, well, it doesn't matter. Um, But yeah, but there is something to that, right? I mean, if you're going to Hurts versus Rodgers. It's very silly to think of it that way, but that's just the way fantasy is. Why Christian McCaffrey was just completely ignoring the fact that he missed 13 games last year. We're taking him number one overall. It's about looking forward. Not I understand, but at the same time, I mean, if you're making a bet on talent, how do you pass over Aaron Rodgers? Because for talent isn't stats? everything in fantasy. Yeah. That's the problem. And Heath, you have him ninth. Jamie has, I think, yeah, uh, ninth, and you've Hurts tenth. You guys both have Rodgers one spot ahead of Hurts. Jamie has Hurts eighth and Rodgers eleventh. So he's a little lower. Um, all right, we can move on. Good? Good. Keith, you want to weigh in or are we good? I Yeah, I don't. I mean, like the bigger thing I'm worried about is that I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to play all of the games. That's, that's the way you could really be wrong. That would be bad. All right, Heath, you are worried about being wrong about Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, because I don't. Again, this is another guy I'm. I'm probably not going to get very much of having him as a back of the first round pick in PPR, because he goes top five or top six in most of our drafts, and there is certainly a possibility. I mean, I said it last year that I thought he had the talent coming out to eventually be the best running back in football. That could happen this year. Like Naheem Hines could just disappear, and they could turn Jonathan Taylor into a a real workhorse. And I would be terribly upset that I didn't have the league winning running back of this season on any of my teams. But as of right now, I think Naheem Hines is still going to be a thing. I still think he probably gets 50 or 60 targets. And so I view Taylor as more of a back end of the first round pick. So we know the formula for finishing in the top five if you don't have a big role in the passing game, right? It's Henry... Though I'm sure you expect him to have more catches than Henry, right? Yes. It's maybe Zeke, not recent Zeke, but early in his career, Zeke. Those were the guys who didn't have 50 carries, didn't have 50 catches, but still finished in the top five. Uh, do you see that path for Jonathan Taylor, where he gets 35 to 40 catches, but still is so good and scores so many touchdowns that he still it, warrants the pick? It's, it's certainly possible. I like I don't see that. That's why I'm not drafting him there. But yeah, that's one of the things I'm worried about. You're also worried about being wrong about Javante Williams. Yeah, I think like this Denver situation as a whole, I've got Jerry Judy on my list as well, so we could just tackle both of those at the same time. Um, 
like there are a lot of things around the Broncos that make it look like it could be a pretty decent team. Uh, Drew Locke is obviously the problem, but we've seen quarterbacks be really bad and then in their second or third year make it make a big step forward. So if Drew Locke was somehow an average NFL quarterback this year and Javante Williams unseats Melvin Gordon early in the year, Williams is probably a top 20 running back. Jerry Judy's probably a top 25 wide receiver. And I am wishing that I didn't have either of them ranked so low. But do you have Judy ranked ahead of Sutton? No, I'm worried I'm too low on Judy. Right. I get that. Do you also worry you're too low on Sutton? Not as much. Because you think Judy has more upside? I think Judy has more raw talent than Cortland Sutton. I think he has the type of profile where if everything went right for Jerry Judy, he could legitimately earn 140, 150 targets no matter who else is on the team because he's just the best guy. He could lead the NFL in receiving. That's how good he is. That's how good of a route runner he is. Despite what we saw last year, I think his hands are still very good. We'll know real soon this year if he's still dropping passes all over the field. But I think he, he's a, he was an award winner in college. He can do that again in the pros. But I think having Locke at the quarterback would be a big problem. Last year, only 58% of the throws that Locke threw to Judy were catchable. It's, uh, it's unfathomable at a professional level that there's a quarterback out there that can't be better than that to but, his younger But, Dave, let's be fair here because Burrow to Green was even worse. It's true. Right? It's true. But that's what, And that's partially because those guys were running pretty deep routes. Right? I mean, it, it, that's sure, part of it. It's harder to throw Even on the intermediate down. stuff, like Judy, the ball needs to be there where Judy can get it. And I think that there were timing and rhythm issues all year long between those two. I'd be kind of curious to see how Judy does if it's 17 games with Teddy Bridgewater. They, uh, they, apparently, they've been clicking in camp. There's been reports that he's been doing better with Teddy than with Drew. I don't think he can lead the NFL in receiving with Teddy Bridgewater as his quarterback, but I think he could be a top 24 receiver. He could yeah. be as good as DJ Moore was. Could be as yeah, right. That's a, that's so he. Th- so your concern is that Judy could have this huge year, and you're just going to be too low on him. Yeah, same, yeah, same thing with Javante Williams. But I don't, I don't think the talent's quite the same with Javante Williams. For me, the concern with him is more that I don't think Melvin Gordon's done, and I think the Broncos would like to have a committee approach, kind of like what I said about Michael Carter. Except the difference is I'm not worried about Carter so much because I don't think the Jets are going to be very good. And I don't think there's as good a chance that Carter could turn into a full-time back as there is with Williams. Do you get like the same type of vibes from Javante's situation as you did from Jonathan Taylor's last year? Because I remember no. why I was unhappy to take Taylor last year. It was because I thought Marlon Mack was going to be a thorn in his side for half the season. And by the second half of the year, Jonathan Taylor would be great, but I didn't want to spend a, a top 40 pick on a running back who I had to wait long for. And it just turned out that Marlon Mack got hurt in week one, and Jonathan Taylor still didn't take off then. He still needed a lot of the year to kind of understand the game, and then toward the end of the year, he was playing like a man possessed and was on pace for 2,200 total yards and all that stuff. But I wonder I, if I, don't, I wonder if it's kind of the same type of feeling here. The difference for me is I think Melvin Gordon is more established and better than Marlon Mack. And I don't think Javante Williams is as good as Jonathan Taylor. I agree with both of those things. The Colts had an offensive line that we could project to be the best in football. 
and maybe it was a top three or top four. I don't think the Broncos' offensive line or situation is quite as good as the Colts was either. You can also draft Javante Williams at least two rounds later than where people were drafting Jonathan Taylor last year. Right, yeah. I mean, I wonder because that's where, as I recall, Javante Williams right now 57th overall. That's similar to where I want to say wow, that's high. Miles. Yeah, it's getting it's going up, right? Mm-hmm. I want to say that's kind of where Miles Sanders was going two years ago. And he got lucky. I say this all the time. He got lucky that Jordan Howard got hurt. If Jordan Howard didn't get hurt, Miles Sanders would have had a pretty useless fantasy season as a rookie. Um, but uh, I think at 57 overall, I wish it were a little bit later. I wish it were in the 60s. I wish it were 10 picks later. Yeah, I wish it were my sixth round pick. But if it were my, if it were my sixth round pick for Javante Williams, I've never taken him in the fifth round. Uh, then I'm willing to wait. I wasn't. I felt the same way about Jonathan Taylor. I only drafted him in one league last year. I wasn't willing to wait uh, for on a with a fourth round pick. But with a sixth round pick, you know, I'd be willing to yep. wait. But I think I feel like Heath. Might be right, but you just don't really think it's just a matter of time until he takes over for Melvin Gordon, right? I mean, that's kind of what you're saying. You're sort of drafting him 60th round, 60th overall, you know, around there, five, six, saying, okay, I'll wait, but it's going to happen. And it really might not. It might be like Miles Sanders, where if, if there were no injury, it would not, I don't think it would have happened for him. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we have reason to think that Javante Williams is just going to take the job away from Melvin Gordon without some assistance. Okay, Dave, we talked about James Robinson. Yes, we'll get into Robinson because you were not on that show, but he was on the avoid list for Heath. He's on the players you're most worried about being wrong about list. Let's talk about Alvin Kamara. Okay, it's a spicy one. He's going to be the third pick in a lot of drafts, fourth pick in a lot of drafts. Um, What do you think about Kamara? What What are you worried about? How do you see him and what are you worried about? I'm starting to get worried that all the concern about him not getting to that 80 reception mark and uh, be a touchdown hog is legit. And I've started doing the research that I've just been putting off and putting off on Kamara. Other people have done it. I want to do it on my own. Um, the, the pass run ratio when Taysom Hill was under center for those four games was tilted toward the run. I believe it was 48-52 in favor of the run for the Saints. You take out the game against Denver. We're going to Azer stat it here. Take out that game against Denver, and it was a really weird game. It was not competitive at all. And it was, I believe it was 53-47 pass run. So just a little bit in favor of the pass. In the other three games that Taysom Hill started, that happens to be the exact same pass run ratio in the 12 games that Drew Brees started for the Saints last year. And I went back and checked. The last time the Saints were above 60% pass was before Alvin Kamara was even there. It's interesting. They've been anywhere between 50 and 40, 57%, 50 and 57% in favor of the pass each of the four seasons that Alvin Kamara is there. Kept digging a little bit deeper, really looked hard at every single target that Alvin Kamara got from Taysom Hill. It took four games, but by that fourth game, Taysom Hill was starting to kind of force feed the ball to Alvin Kamara in a couple of ways. One on in the screen game, for sure. Saints were calling more of those. But he was also understanding of reading defensive coverage. Kamara would get open five yards off the line of scrimmage. No defenders were near him. Taysom Hill would dink it to him. Alvin Kamara would make a play after the catch. If we keep seeing that, then there's reason to believe that, okay, it won't be like 40-some-odd catches, which is what the 17-game pace was with Taysom Hill last year. It might be halfway in between that and 80, which is 60 catches. 
And then the other thing that you have to do is just look at the touchdowns. How many touchdowns inside the five might Taysom Hill take away from Alvin Kamara? That's been a big area for Alvin Kamara over the years. You'd hate to see him lose even 20% of those touchdowns to somebody else. And so I'm worried that if if, if we keep him at top five, and he's I don't believe he's in my top five in non-PPR, but certainly in PPR, does he really have the chance to get there? Is that really where his ceiling is now? Because I feel like maybe now his ceiling, his yardage could come down a little bit, his touchdowns could come down a little bit, and his catches could d- come down by like 20. And I'm worried that I'm wrong on Kamara being a top five running back regardless of format. One other thing about those games with Taysom Hill, he has seven catches in that, that last game. game. That was yeah. the only game they that lost. That was the game where you could tell. But it was the only yeah, game they, they lost. They told Taysom Hill, you got to start using Kamara more. All right, but, I, but like I said, I mean... They were 3-0 and in the other three games. So they lost that game, and he got seven catches. So that sticks out to me, too. I mean, was that just because of the game script? And not only that, I mean, they blew out Atlanta the first game. They blew out Denver in the second game. Close game at Atlanta in the third game. I think Kamara had two catches, and mm-hmm. then seven catches as they lost to Philadelphia 24-21. Um, look, it was a close game, so maybe it wasn't the game script. I don't know, but it does stand out that it was the game they lost that Kamara finally got involved in the passing game. But do, but do you think he has a bigger role in the running game? Because like I, he's he's their best player, maybe Michael Thomas, but maybe it's him. He's their best chance offensively. So shouldn't he get the ball more? They'd be so foolish not to give him the ball. And why didn't they do it before when Drew Brees was... Because Drew Brees old. was the best player. What was he last year? Um, was he the year before when he, he was banged up and old? Yeah, he was pretty amazing. Like he still had, you know, was setting completion percentage records and didn't turn the ball over. He's doing just fine. So you're just going to leave an explosive talent like Alvin they Kamara? They did it. They gave him eighty. They gave him eighty catches. I'm just saying, sure. if you so don't you think, think they're going to give so, him the ball in the passing game, do they compensate? The he won't be the same. He's not going to average the same type of yards off of a carry as he would off a catch. Sure, but does he get more carries? Uh, if, if Taysom Hill's a quarterback. Either way, yeah. I mean, either way, does he might get more, but it might not be a lot more. But if Jason Hill's the quarterback, I don't think he's getting more carries. I I think it's negligible if he does. Even if he does, I think the results won't be like, wow, he just ran for 1,500 yards. I'm worried about taking him third, too. I see all that stuff. Are you worried about him going third or fourth, Heath? Kamara? Yeah, I don't have him ranked there because I don't have, um, I have Taysom Hill projected as the starting quarterback. So, I don't know that I've drafted Kamara yet. He was almost someone that I was worried about because I'm getting concerned that Jameis is going to be the starter, but I'm, I'm still not sure Jameis is the same thing for him that um, that Breeze was. He is uh, Kamara's number five for me, I believe, and six in non-PPR. We're going to take a timeout here on uh, two-minute warning on Fantasy Football Today. And when we come back, James Robinson, Logan Thomas, Tyler Lockett, Juju Smith-Schuster. Why are Dave and Heath... Worried about being wrong about them. That's coming up right after this quick break on Fantasy Football Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's bounce. Well, let's stick with Dave. Let's stick with Dave. All right, James Robinson. So this was someone that Heath actually said was on one of the headliners of his do not draft list at about 60th overall. Was that what it was, Heath? For James yes. Robinson? Yeah. 60th overall. And Dave, where are you on Robinson? What are you worried about in terms of being wrong about him? I'm, he's currently a round seven pick for me. And I'm, I'm, wor- I'm actually, I'm worried both ways. Like, do, am I, am I playing it safe? Am I sitting on the fence with James Robinson by keeping him in round seven and calling him a touchdown dependent running back? Or am I going to be wrong because he'll end up being the primary traditional style running back in this Jacksonville offense? Or is he going to stink? and get minimized and you'll see a lot more of Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence doing their thing in this offense. So I'm not quite sure where I'm coming out on James Robinson and how big of a role he'll have last year. He had a big role. You want to talk about the best player on an offense. Uh, There's no question. It was James Robinson in Jacksonville last year. And it was kind of a miracle that he ended up being so good given how bad Jacksonville was. And we, we already know that the reception total figures to shrink. He's. I, I. I definitely feel like the touchdowns are going to have a huge importance. If he only gets four or five touchdowns this year, it's going to be a colossal bust, even in round seven. But I think he can get more than that. I think Jacksonville's offense will be pretty good. I'm just worried about how many overall touches he's going to get from game to game. Interesting take right there that you think their offense is going to be pretty good. I think... Well, is that sarcasm? No. I, they had one of the worst offenses in football last year. They had three of the worst quarterbacks in football last year. You know, Sorry, if, if you look at what Gardner Minshew has done, two, two of the worst. you don't find a lot of rookie quarterbacks, no matter how good they end up being, that do better than Gardner Minshew. That's the weird thing. That do better but than... He wasn't what, a rookie last year. But Trevor Lawrence is. So he has to be better than like 4,100 yards... And, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying is as, as much as we crap on Jacksonville's passing game, it's it was actually, I think, better than what you get from most rookie quarterbacks. But Jacksonville did the right thing in the second half of last year, not playing Gardner Minshew. They might have accidentally pulled a Jets and not got Trevor Lawrence. So but I, you're right, Adam. It's most rookie quarterbacks are worse than Gardner Minshew has been the last two years in terms of efficiency, especially as passers. Yeah, you you can make a very good argument that Kyler Murray still hasn't had a season as a passer as good as Gardner Minshew. Yes, you could. Yeah, but I, I think we, Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence is great. Really, really good. Yeah, I do too. Like, I think he's the one that can break that mold. You, but like last year, we were talking about Joe Burrow as a generational passer, That's a true. generational That's prospect, true. And, and he he wasn't quite there, right? Like oh. he he threw forty times a game. That was awesome, but right. he averaged six point seven yards per attempt and had a three point two percent touchdown rate. That's, I don't think he even averaged twenty fantasy points per game last year. And that's with forty pass attempts per game. Yeah. So yeah, I, right. I so so uh, right. I, that's why I just thought it was interesting that you think their offense will be pretty good. You know, I'm not saying yeah, you're I wrong. do. Okay. Um, do you think though with Robinson, kind of like the argument Heath made against Herbert? 
that even if he's worth the draft capital, he doesn't have, unless there's an injury to ETN and he starts getting the passing game work, that he doesn't really have that much upside. He won't be missing out on too much. I, I think when it comes to a running back that has the upside to finish as a top 24 running back, you don't want to miss out on that when it's round seven or later. That's why when well, the ADP being like round five, I think you said, where where is he getting drafted? End by of now? round five, yeah, sixtieth. I feel like that's. I think if you're drafting him there, you're anticipating him finishing as a top twenty four running back in fantasy points per game. I think he can fall below that if things just don't quite go his way. Is, so is I, I, I'm fence sitting. I'm admitting it. I'm fence sitting on James Robinson as a round seven pick. Is he ahead of who? Is he still ahead of Mike Davis? In uh, they are back to back. Back to back. Yeah, you got tied at sixtieth overall. Sixtieth and sixty first. Yeah. One spot behind Javante wow. Williams. One spot. Yeah. Three picks, one running back spot behind Javante Williams. I don't understand really how like Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis are after the 55th overall pick. That's just, you know, you live in your CBS bubble and they go 45th. I see more stuff specifically on Davis, not as much on Gaskin, but I see more stuff from the industry on Twitter warning people to avoid the trap of Mike Davis than I do hyping him up. And and I could even, you know, I could even understand if you're saying the trap of Mike Davis is a round four pick, don't take him there. But as someone who doesn't really believe in Mike Davis, I would take him at 60th overall every time. <laughs> right? I mean, he could be the starting running back for the Falcons. Who do, he could be. 60th? Every indication we have is that he will be. Yeah, I mean, the whole year. I, I, have, I feel like he's definitely going to start that way, but... He could just mm. be a like a three hundred touch, two hundred fifty to three hundred touch guy, whatever. You like have the to two guys right now that are the biggest competition. Well, three guys. Like you've got a wide receiver who's actually just a kick returner, who sometimes plays running back. <laughs> now, now they say that he's going to be more of a traditional running back in yeah, Atlanta. Yeah, I've heard that a couple of times before. Did they did they have, did they say it in a Matt Nagy voice? Um, they've got a rookie undrafted free agent who weighs like one hundred and forty five pounds. Yeah, he's a passing down guy. And they've got a third-year running back who two years in a row couldn't beat out Brian Hill or Edo Smith. Uh, yeah, by the way. <laughs> Does he get four-netted? Remember how Ronald somebody Jones was cut? that clear yeah. guy? Well, I'm, I'm thinking about what happened after he got cut, where somebody, the Falcons signed somebody during August, late August, to come in and push-slash-move out Mike Davis. I think that's that's certainly possible, and that's the risk, and that's why. Here's the thing, in my opinion, if you if that wasn't a risk, if you told me the Falcons are going to play with their current running back stable for the entire year, Mike Davis should be a third round pick. But why is he any different than Todd Gurley? Todd Gurley was so bad. Now he he was like a top ten running back, I think, for the first maybe half of the season, <laughs> he because he kept scoring. Ends. But he was awful. And eventually he lost his job to bad players. So I don't know. that I can't, I can't get on board with a third round, dude. Like you, I feel like you have to be a better player than Mike Davis. And maybe I'm wrong about Mike Davis. Maybe he's better than I realize. But from what we know and, he's, and his age, I don't know about third round, Heath. That seems a little I rich. I think the situation in Atlanta this year is much better than the situation he was in in Carolina last year. You want to about one of the worst offensive lines in football. That was them. And the numbers that about, I think he was second in the NFL in terms of yards on plays where he was met in the backfield by a defender. 
his elusive rating was very good. Um, I just, I think that he was in a bad situation last year. Like, yeah, running back talent's questionable as to how much it matters at all anyway. And yes, he could lose his job at some point, but I'm just saying I don't, like, Kadri Olson wasn't, he, Todd Gurley lost his job to two players the Falcons thought were better than Olson. Yeah. <laughs> So, by the way, have we talked about David Montgomery calling out CBS? <laughs> it was awesome. It was great. We got to get the soundbite of that. It was, it was, you want to explain it? Who ranked him 25th? Nobody. Apparently, he said that CBS ranked him 25th among running backs and that he needed more work. He said NFL. He that to Matt Nagy. So it may have been somebody else. But, yeah. yeah. He's 19th in ADP. Uh, <laughs> By the way, hey, I like I'm, I took David Montgomery late in round three in one draft. He is definitely someone I'm worried about being wrong about. We can talk about that on fantasy football today in five. Let's get to the rest of your uh, players that you're worried about being wrong about. Tyler Lockett, Heath, you like him more than consensus? You don't? Do you, have you like ever done a podcast with me? <laughs> I should have put a question mark at the end of that. I just should have said you like him more than consensus. Yeah, I've got him like 14th or something, and the consistent consensus might have him at 25. Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit worried that there is the possibility that either the Seahawks do go more run heavy, or DK Metcalf does become the true alpha number one in the offense, or both. Mm-hmm. Like, I still think Tyler Lockett's very good. He was very hit or miss. He did struggle in the second half. I don't put very much weight into that. But if that was a sign of things to come and that carries over into 2021, then I'm going to look foolish for drafting him in the fourth round. But it wasn't just Lockett who was terrible in the second half. DK was bad in the second half. Russ was throwing less in the second half. The whole offense tried to change in the second half. And we we want the first half offense back. And it sounds like there's a chance that that could happen. I'm still trying to figure that out. I just love the fact that Tyler Lockett, as, as up and down as he goes, 10, 8, 10 in touchdowns last year, career high and 100 catches, career low 10.5 yards per catch. But, you know, we can we can deal with that if he's catching 100 footballs a year. Yeah, I'm I'm I hoping do. that he I'm, I'm a little worried about Gerald Everett taking a little bit of work away from him and Eskridge taking a little bit of work away. And do they really, really, really just go gung ho on the run? You are not worried about Eskridge and Everett. Come on, like I'm, they, if they've they had tight targets, ends. If and, they take away targets that lowers would, the target volume for Tyler Lockett, then yeah, I'm a little bit worried about it. Um, but, they, but they can have David. I think Everett could be a key to them beating cover targets. I'm sorry, Heath. I didn't mean to cut you off. That's okay. I I do think. Like the reports that we're getting from their OTAs and the things they are doing with the offense make me want to rank Lockett even higher. Because if they're running a fast-paced offense and getting the ball out of Russ's hands quickly, those are more Tyler Lockett routes than DK Metcalf routes. Funny you say that. Everybody listen to Fantasy Football Today in 5 on Saturday. Well, every day. But I just recorded a DK Metcalf uh, breakdown preview with Jacob Gibbs. And I did bring that up. This new offense, does it seem more suited for Lockett than Metcalf? Um, we talked about that. Uh, so listen to that. The good news is, Heath, there is no way you're going to have to draft Tyler Lockett at your ranking. So, you know, because he's going 24th at wide receiver, 57th overall in NFC ADP in the last month. So you could be is wrong about him and, and still, you know, and still win an ADP. 
Is he the player? Um, I, I'd be curious. It would take some work to figure this out. Is he the player who, at their position, is being ranked, drafted the furthest behind where they finished the past two years? If you remove last year, which was injury-plagued, then it would be Galladay because he's going just after Lockett, I think. Well, who has finished higher the last two years, Lockett or Galladay? It's probably close, right? I think it's uh, 2019, Galladay beat Lockett by like thir- by. Eh, he was ninth and Lockett was 13th. So they so, were pretty close then. And then last year, obviously. Right. Galladay. Well, this whole group of Thielen. Even in fantasy points per game, I think Lockett was ahead. Thielen, Lockett, Galladay going 22nd, 24th, and 25th. Jamar Chase is 23rd. But all of them, you know, Thielen had a ton of touchdowns. Lockett had 100 catches. Galladay got hurt. But they're they're all, like, drafters seem worried about them. And uh, was that is that the answer? That the three of them, Thielen, Lockett, Galladay? Yeah, probably a wide receiver for sure. I, I don't know. Um, like, if we're just looking at last year, then it would be David Montgomery at running back. But True. Uh, okay, and then want you you want to hit us up with Juju? It's kind of the same thing, except cheaper. I'm not even going to ask how you feel about Juju because I have done a podcast with you before. But yeah, what are you worried I, about here? I'm worried that Dave's right and that they do give more targets to Deontay and Chase Claypool and that Juju came back on this one-year deal to rehabilitate his image and get a big contract next year when the salary cap goes back up and the Steelers didn't have the same plan in mind. Now, the fact that Ben Roethlisberger was allegedly lobbying to bring him back, the fact that Juju says, I'm not going to play in the slot as much next year, those things are encouraging to me. I'm still pretty happy drafting him as a number two wide receiver. I still think what he did at a young age and what he did even if, I think what he did efficiency last year is primed for I'll say it so everybody doesn't get mad. Positive regression. Nice. Yeah. Um, and so I think if he gets the same targets he did last year, he's going to be considerably better. But there's a risk that those targets go to different guys. I just I think Juju Smith-Schuster is their best wide receiver. I hope Ben Roethlisberger does as well. I'm worried about being wrong about it. all three of them. I'm worried <laughs> about being wrong on every single stealer. <laughs> that offensive line is ugly. I think and that the, the three, how do they yeah, get around that's a good that? point. And the three wide receivers to me are close enough in, let's say, projected skill if we're trying to guess who's the best, that I'm just, I could see any of them finishing first, any of them finishing second, any of them finishing third. So you're just fading Deontay? Um, I have been, yeah. Because at current ADP, Deontay is going at the 4-5 turn, pick 51. Juju and Claypool are both at the end of the sixth round. Claypool at pick 70, Juju at pick 72. I la- Juju's I- going one spot ahead of Odell Beckham. Put it this way. I'm definitely going to fade Deontay in anything other than full PPR. I could see Johnson just having 15, 20 more catches than Claypool. You know? So he'd only be like 100 yards behind him? <laughs> Claypool is kind of the one I want, but I don't know. I, this could change. But I don't know. They threw so much last year. They're going to try to avoid that. Don't know what Roethlisberger has left. They are, and Dave, you mentioned the line. The Steelers have got to feel like one of the biggest mysteries this year. We, yep. the, based on the way they've been used, the offensive line would have the biggest negative impact on Claypool, right? Yes, because then that takes away Roethlisberger's ability to throw the deep ball. 
Right. Or even intermediate throws. I mean, I just think that every single defense is going to see that offensive line and just try and take advantage. Now, they can be clever around that, but it's still going to result in short passes. And we've already seen that show, and the results were good for a lot of the receivers. All three receivers, the results were good. Yeah, I just think about that, that Cleveland defense, that pass rush they've got, and the Baltimore defense, and Pittsburgh's offensive line. Those four games seem like a disaster for them. Hopefully one of them is Week 18, Heath. I don't know how you'd scheme around that. You get rid of the ball. <laughs> the Deontay I think Johnson. the way to scheme around it is to do what it sounds like they're going to do, which is a lot of tempo changing. So sometimes they'll go really fast tempo, and sometimes they won't. And a lot of pre-snap movement, which I don't, I don't know if there's a way to, you know, show that they did a lot or a little of that last year without actually watching. But I know that that's a hallmark of their new offensive coordinator. I am not seeing a lot of great pass rushes on this schedule. They don't play Cleveland or Baltimore until week eight. Denver should right. have a good one, but they got to buy in week seven. Buffalo drafted defensive ends with their first two picks, so they obviously have to improve there. Las Vegas, Cincinnati, Green Bay, Denver, Seattle. Those first six games might actually set up pretty well for them, and then they go into their bye, and then they get Cleveland, Khalil Mack after that. Yeah, I don't know. Baltimore is week... Cleveland's week 17, which is the fantasy championship. Baltimore's week 18, so you will miss one of those games. All right, spent a little too much time there. Dave, uh, you want to save Logan Thomas for F15-5, or you want to knock it sure. out now? Yeah, I mean, I just... I just keep underrating him. And I just wonder if he's going to end up being the number two receiver or number two pass catcher again in this offense. Like we're just kind of looking at Lash and saying, yeah, I mean, he was a byproduct of the quarterbacks that were there and the lack of other targets besides McLaurin. Like, is there, even if he comes down a little bit from what he did last year, that would still be a pretty decent fantasy tight end at PPR. You've got him 17th. He has him 14th. Jamie has Logan Thomas 12th. Although I am looking at non-PPR, I'm sorry. But I assume Jamie's still the highest on Logan Thomas in full PPR. And you He is someone, I agree, Like he's someone who I rank below where I have him projected. I actually have him 10th in full PPR, so I may be the highest on him in full PPR. So Jamie but also I think, does. I think I have him like 7th or 8th in my projections. Um, it's It's tough. Like one of those guys, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas... J.D. McKissick, one of those guys is probably still going to be good. The other two are probably going to be awful. Logan Thomas is tight end 9 in ADP, just after Noah Fant, and well ahead of tight end 10, Tyler Higby. So right now the way it's being drafted, Fant and Thomas are 93rd-ish, 94th-ish uh, overall, and then Higby 112th. So people see Did them. my Azer stat today make you worried that you were wrong about Noah Fant? Absolutely not. Because, no, and I'm going to, I can't wait for, Heath and I are recording a show tomorrow that's going to be mostly emails and Apple podcast questions, but also some, some Azery stats, I guess. And I want some Heath stats in there too. We'll get, a, we'll just try to, you know, outstat each other. Uh, but Noah Fant is going to come up. We are definitely going to talk about him maybe right at the top, uh, but it's going to air on Monday. It's going to be a 4th of July special that we're recording on Friday because we are not there will working. Be fireworks. There will be fireworks. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, no, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll um, yeah, we'll record that on Friday. We'll air it on Monday. Noah fans gonna be talked about and some other things. Uh, also, CBS Sports HQ. It's it's always on, and it's the best way to get caught up on what's going on in the sports world. Breaking news. I mean, the second we hear about Giannis and Tinacompo, there's gonna be breaking news on. Uh, I'm obviously recording this on 
Thursday. You're hearing this on Friday. Going to be breaking news on on FFT. Uh, I'm sorry, on CBS Sports HQ. You know, it's things like that. Um, and start your morning at 8 a.m. Eastern with Morning Buzz. That's an hour of highlights, news, and all the days need to know. And 6 p.m. Eastern, they break down all the night's action and release dozens of picks from the best analysts and cappers in the sports world. We don't talk so much about gambling on this show, but CBS has amazing gambling resources now. HQ's got picks. A lot of our podcasts have picks. We have a gambling podcast that you should check out. If you just go to cbssports.com slash podcasts, you'll see all of our shows uh, the um, and uh, Sportsline, of course, Sportsline.com for great fantasy advice and gambling advice. Let's read some emails. Fantasy football at CBSI.com. From Tyler in California. 12-team, two-keeper league. Who should I keep? It's PPR, no round penalty. Uh, Kyler Murray, Mark Andrews, no. So how about the running backs and wide receivers? Kamara, Zeke, Akers, Dobbins, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen. Pick any two. This is so hard not seeing the names because I just... Um, All right, Kamara, Zeke, Akers, and Kamara Dobbins. It's Kamara and Zeke. Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen. Sure, Kamara and Zeke. Okay, I'm going to try to... I got a late uh, start on the notes, so I didn't put the emails in the notes. That's all right. As you say who it's from, I just search for it in my inbox. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. That, that's a good idea. Okay. This one is from a guy with the same name of a famous... <laughs> a guy with the same name of a famous country singer and from a college town north of Sacramento and south of Redding, California. <laughs> right, I got the email. Do, who do you think that's... Schrager, you know country music. I was going to go with Toby. Okay, Toby from a college town north of Sacramento and south of Reading. Okay, we'll figure it out. <laughs> PPR League, 10-team, 1QB. Would you do this trade? Give up Logan Thomas and a 2023 first and second round pick for Amari Cooper and a 2022 second round pick. So if you just cancel out the second rounders, forgetting about what year they are. It's Logan Thomas and a 2023 first rounder for Amari Cooper. Yep. I would do that. To get Cooper? Win now? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, in all of these trades come with that caveat. Like, you better have a good team if you're trading away first round picks. I could read you his roster because I found the email. It's okay. I'm not going to remember it. <laughs> His receivers are already Michael Thomas, okay, then, then keep reading Calvin Ridley, Tyler Boyd. Don't even listen to Adam. Robert Woods. He's not important. What do you mean? Don't, I didn't want you to read it, and you read it anyway. That's he, a, he doesn't need Amari Cooper. That's a demerit. He doesn't need to make this trade. So you say no? I say no. Okay. This is from Lido. L-I-T-O, Dave. Lido Shepard? He was an excellent cornerback for a while. He says, hey, Drummond, Banks, and Dunphy. Phils. Those are Phil's. Yeah. Phil? <laughs> uh, man, I feel really stupid, but I don't know one of these Phil's. I'm going to look at Drummond. Up. That's correct. I don't know who Phil Drummond is. Yeah. Now you should. World don't move to the beat of just one drum. I should well, know I'll him. Be right for you. 
may not be right for some. <laughs> a man is born, he's a man of me, and along come two. They got nothing but the genes, but they got the name of the sitcom, the name of the sitcom, the name of the sitcom to rule the world. <laughs> mm. Heath knows it. Ben, no chance, knows it. Everybody who's 40 or older knows it. Yeah. I should know that. I know everything that everybody that's 40 or older know, even though I'm not there. But what I have no idea. about, Adam? Oh, is that different strokes? Oh, it, yes. it, that tagline is what did it. That cultural reference is got Is that what it is? Strokes. Yes. Okay. It'd be hysterical if it was something else, and I just did all that for the wrong character. But <laughs> I, I know my Drummonds and Jacksons. Okay, question. Um, and Abraham the Goldfish. Draft strategy for a 10-team PPR league versus 12-team PPR league. Do you still load up on running back early, or are the top 5 to 10 wide receivers pushed up with two fewer teams? I push up quarterbacks and tight ends. Agreed. Yeah, I'm not quite sure why running by wide receivers would be pushed up. So, okay. So, no. Well, in this league, it's three wide receivers slash tight end. I don't know if you're pushing up tight ends. Yeah, it'd be good to have all that information. Now you got it. Yeah, sorry. Okay, this is from Rob, the 2020 Dynasty champ guy. Uh, I need a minute worth of discussion on Corey Davis. I get it. The Jets, dot, 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 (laughs) terrible. Stay away. It's all the same narrative, but the team just underwent a complete administrative remodel and picked up a top talent quarterback. I see a major sleeper in Corey Davis. Tell me I'm wrong. It's tough because he, they obviously value him more than anyone else in the NFL. And they went out and acquired him. And in that type of scenario, I generally think that guy's going to have a big role. If we're projecting this to be a 49ers type offense, Corey Davis is not the type of guy they've really ever used at all unless he's going to play tight end. Um, so I just don't know, like, and I've said this argument with Devonte Parker and with Will Fuller, you get to this stage of your career and your best season, 980 yards and five touchdowns. I don't know what the upside really is. And Elijah Moore's probably going to be better by the middle of the year. It's almost like you are what you are. And what I think he is, is a, he averaged 13 and change in PPR last year. I think he can get you around 11. He's a, he's he's one of those solid bench PPR receivers, and I'm 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 starting to get a little excited about Zach Wilson and what he might be able to do in this offense. But we've already chronicled it. There are so many pass catchers there that I I don't see a way for Corey Davis to be a a target vacuum there. Heath, wouldn't you say that if they if they acquired if they signed Corey Davis and they drafted Michael Carter, but neither of them are fits in a typical San Francisco offense, mm-hmm. then they're dumb and they or shouldn't have done a typical San Francisco offense. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. I don't think that it's just going to be East coast Niners. Well, really one of the only things that I like about the jets currently is the fact they might run the Niners offense. So <laughs> I think that's going to be their somewhere. starting point. And I think philosophically they're absolutely going to be like the Niners or at least like West coast principles, Multiple running backs. Zone blocking. Very well. Yeah. So who's the Jets wide receiver you would draft first? Corey Davis. I 
I think it's Crowder and PPR as of now. Who's the Jets play? Like, where do you have your highest Jets player ranked, Dave? Carter. He's a round seven pick. Round seven. Yeah, what like RB what, you know? Yeah, I'll tell you. Okay. He is RB number 27. Okay, that's a lot higher than me. My highest jet is Michael Carter at pick 100. Yeah, I've got him at 72. So technically the last pick around six. I have, he uh, might share, but he's to me, he's the most talented running back on that roster. And it's not particularly close. And I think it'll come to pass that he'll be the main running back. He won't get every touch. Come he to won't run. even get 70%, but he'll get a lot. I have Tyler Croft tight end six. Just ahead of Kyle Pitts. So, okay, we're out of here. And even he's ahead of Chris Herndon. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is the Friday episode. I Schrager has thrown me off so much. I don't even know what day of the week it is anymore. So, have a great weekend. Yes. It's Friday, right? We're recording on Thursday. This is your Friday episode. So, enjoy your weekend. Monday, we have a pre recorded show that Heath and I are doing on Friday. It's your 4th of July extravaganza. There will be firecrackers, as Heath said earlier. I think that's the expression he used. Uh, So get excited for that. There will be bottle rockets. And we'll talk to you then. All right, enjoy the fourth, everybody. USA! Best outro ever.